Well, good morning. It is so good to be gathering together with you all this morning. If you'll join me, we'll go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. So, Father God, we just come before you. And I am so grateful just again for another opportunity to be able to gather together in God, especially today, as, as every day we try and live our lives out of it. But right now, we specifically take time to remember what it is that you have done, that death is defeated, and therefore, God, we have an eternal hope. And I, I just pray that as we look at this message this morning, God, let it be your word that is proclaimed. God, let it fall on our hearts that we leave here not the same, but God, that we leave so much more in love with you. God, I ask all these things in the name of Jesus, the name that has conquered the grave. Amen. So usually I, I, I like to sit up here and I, I try and think of some witty, like smart story that somehow ties into the message, but I'm not going to do that this morning. We're going to get straight to the point. So we'll be out of here in like 15 to an hour, sometime after that. Uh, but I just want to open up with a simple question, and I, I want you to really think about this question. So if you'll just take this time to really answer it and, and be totally honest, not the Sunday school answer, but truly dive into your heart and answer this question. What is your hope? What is your hope based on? What is it that you as a person are living for and that you really are like, okay, if this would come together, everything would be okay. You know, if I could just get that raised, then we would be financially set and we wouldn't have to stress anymore. Or if they would just pass that one law, then everything would come back to normal and I would be okay. Or if I would just get that diagnosis to be canceled, or if I could be in that relationship, or if this could be redeemed or whatever it is, what is it? If I could have that new vehicle, what is it that you are thinking, if only this then everything would work out and all the dominoes would fall in place and it would all work out. You know what happens to dominoes, by the way? They tumble. It's like playing Jenga. The goal is not to get the thing to fall, but eventually it all comes tumbling down. So if, if you're new with us this morning, we've been going through this book in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes. And we've been looking at, it's this diary, this journal of the most wealthy, most powerful man at that time named Solomon, who is king of Israel. He is the son of David, who ascends to the throne after David dies, and he is the glory years of Israel. I mean, he's got people bringing him trillions of dollars a year. He has such luxurious things. Jesus, even in the New Testament, says all the lilies, are, or Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like the lilies of the field, meaning even Jesus is talking about how nice Solomon was dressed. But he says nature doesn't even compare. And so Solomon, he started out living his life for God. He started out following after God, being a, a, a king that pursued God. But then all of a sudden, he, he fell into this trap where he started loving women that were not Israelites. And he started letting his heart go after them. And they led his heart towards other other gods, other things. And he, he entered into this realm of despair. And that is where Solomon writes the book of Ecclesiastes, where he is in this despair. And he is answering this question, what is my hope? 
because I am king of Israel. I have the queen of Sheba coming and giving me 666 talents of gold, and I am receiving gold upon gold, and I, I can say something, and it's going to happen. I can build something, and it's going to happen. I have all the power that earth can give, and I have no happiness. Because he opens up in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, by saying, vanity of vanities, all of it is vanity. And then he goes in into chapter 2, and he's like, you know what? I tried giving my heart everything I could give it. I thought that if I could just, I see everybody else, and they're enjoying drinks, and they're living up the good life, and so I thought maybe that's where there's purpose. So I'm going to try, <coughs> excuse me, just swallowed something. Didn't know it was in my mouth, but I found it. Went in the lungs. <laughs> Breakfast was not kind. Anyways, he was like, you know what, I, I'm going to try and live the good life. And so he, he sought after that. And he said, I gave myself drink. I kept my wits about me all the time. But I gave myself the drink and thought, maybe that'll make me happy. Maybe that'll bring me purpose. And he said that in itself is vanity. And so he was like, you know what? I have all of this wealth. I have all of this land. I'm going to build me palaces, and I'm going to build me ponds, and I'm going to build me pools and gardens, and I'm going to make masterpieces. And he's like, that in itself is vanity. And then he was like, you know what? Maybe if I, I surround myself with people, so I'm going to get maidservants and men servants, and I'm going to have wives and concubines, and I'm going to fill myself with everything that the world says. This is what will bring you happiness. And he said, all of it is vanity. He ended up just saying, you know what? Ev everything is vain. Everything I apply my heart to, everything I try and do, it all comes back the same where is my hope? Because I sought it out in this thing, and it's coming back empty. I sought it in possessions, nothing. I sought it in people, nothing. I sought it in power, nothing. And he ends up saying in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 14, everything under the sun is vanity. Now that word under the sun, Solomon is thinking of a under the sun theology, which is apart from God. If there is not an eternal life, is there, if there is not life after death, then everything we do is vanity. He goes on to talk about how in life, all of us are going to face the same struggles. All of us are going to have highs and lows. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's a time to sing and a time to mourn. There's a time to dance and a time to weep. There's a time to love and a time to hate. Life has its difficulties. It doesn't matter who you are, you're going to experience them. And so we're all looking for hope. I mean, two years ago, I guess it's almost three now. It is three. Three years ago, we saw a majority of the world shut down, and we were starting to question because it was brand new. We didn't know what was going on, so everybody has this, what is happening here? What is our hope in? What is going to happen? We need people to come in and tell us how to live our lives, and they let people down. We need so many things to happen. Where is our hope? As we see wars happening, as we see rumors of wars, as we see inflation happen, as we see the struggles of this life hit every single person, and we're left with the question, what am I hoping in? Because if I get that raise, they're going to tax me more, and they're going to inflate me more, and so really the dollar's not going to go as far as it used to. So the, the raise is going to put me just again to barely keeping my head above water. 
or if I get that relationship or whatever it is, whatever you are putting your hope in under the sun, Solomon says it is vanity. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And so Solomon, he comes to this conclusion in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, where he says in verse 18, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of life that he has that God has given him, for this is his lot. So really what Solomon is saying there is enjoy today because today is all you have. When you have an under the sun theology, when all you think is this life is all there is, then live it up. Because if this life is all you have to live, this life is the best you will ever experience. This is all that you have to look forward to. And so yeah, live it up, do whatever, eat whatever, live however. If there is not an eternal life, if all we have is this life and this life only, then everything you really do is vanity. So is that where your hope is? Is your hope in anything in this life? Because Paul, he tells us in Ephesians even, he says in Ephesians 2.12 that you were at one time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenant of the promise and you were without hope and without God. That's how so, excuse me, so many people are living their life without hope and without God. And so Solomon is telling us, if that's the way it is, live it up because today is all you have. Party now for tomorrow we die and then we cease to exist. If there is no God and there is no salvation found in Jesus, then that's all you have. Even if the Sunday school answer is, because so often I was thinking about this, if, what did Jesus do? And you ask a bunch of little kids and they'd be like, he died on the cross. But if all we have is Good Friday and we don't have today, then Jesus did nothing. So many people have died, like everybody, except for I think Elisha. He got taken up in a chariot of fire. But otherwise, like 99.9 .9 to the trillionth number have died. And innocent people have died before. And people have died excruciating deaths before. And I'm not trying to downplay one bit because, oh my goodness, I'm holding to the cross every day of my life. I'm not trying to downplay the cross. But if all we have is Good Friday without Resurrection Sunday, it's vanity. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then you are still in your sins. Paul, he tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. He says in verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we're of all people most to be pitied. If our only hope is in what Jesus did on the cross without celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, we have no hope. Paul says, you're still in your sins. You are still separated from God. You are still without hope in this world. 
So again, I want to ask you, what is it that your hope is in? What is it that you're hoping in? Is it just that sometime, almost 2,000 years ago, this really innocent man, in my opinion, uh, fact, he was perfect, but that he went to the grave and that's it? Then I'm still in my sin. Then my hope is meaningless. Are you hoping in what Jesus did only on the cross and not believing in the resurrection? Are you hoping in your possessions, which are gonna fade? Are you hoping in your relationships, which are gonna be strained? Are you hoping in your work, which you're gonna end up retiring or getting fired or whatever happens? What is it that you are hoping in? Are you hoping in your moral goodness? That I can be a wise enough, good enough person that God will owe me heaven? You know what Paul actually says about us? He says that as people, we were by nature, we were dead in our trespasses. This is Ephesians 2. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You followed the course of this world. You followed the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. We carried out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. I can't rely on my moral goodness because I was dead and I was living out a slave to what my body wanted. And then he says in verse 12, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, and you had no hope and you were without God in the world. What is it that you're putting your hope in? You see, for me, I'm putting my hope in two words. And if you're a member of Center Christian or you've been attending with us, you probably know what those two words are. But God. Because you see, those two words revolutionize everything for me. Because if I look at my own life and look at what I am hoping in, it all is leading to destruction. My own abilities, my goodness, I hit my leg on my bed the other day. Words came out that I hope Isaiah never hears. And it was just like, I am not putting hope in myself because I condemn myself daily. Putting hope in other people, love you all, like truly do, you're sinners. So am I. We're gonna let each other down. Putting hope in my possessions, they're falling apart. Putting hope in my own body, it's falling apart. Putting hope in whatever it is, all leads away. It, it shows me that I have no hope but God. Will you, I, I don't ask for callbacks very much. We're gonna make sure you're awake this morning. Will you just say that with me, but God? Yeah, the two greatest words in the Bible, in my opinion, but God. Because as you remember what Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter two, he was saying that you were dead in your trespasses. You were following the course of this world. You were following your own selfish desires, your mind, your body. You were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And then verse four hits, but God, meaning all of that bad stuff, which tells me I have absolutely no hope, but God being rich in mercy 
because of the love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace, you have been saved. But God, I love those two words. Because every single time I look at how terrible this life is going, and I read the news a lot and way too much, and it brings me down, I remember, but God has given me a hope beyond this world. I remember that, but God has given me an eternal hope that cannot be taken away from me, no matter what this world does. Nuclear war, but God is still on the throne. I lose my health, but God has a new body prepared for me that will never decay. Heartbreak and pain, but God is bringing about a time where he will wipe every tear from your eyes and there will be no more mourning, there will be no more crying, and the dwelling place of God will be with man. I hold on to but God theology because God has made all things new. This is where you find hope. You see, for two days, Jesus laid in the grave. He went through a horrible death. He paid the price that I was supposed to pay. uh, Isaiah chapter 53 tells us this. He was pierced for our transgressions. He bore the marks that my body and your body was supposed to bear. He went through all that. He gave it all on the cross. And then for two days, it was total darkness. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19 tells us, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, if in this life only we have hope, we are above all people to be pitied. And then we have verse 20. And it starts with four words, but I like to cut out the middle too because then it goes, but God. Where Paul tells us, but now in Christ. But in fact, Sorry, wrong version. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So if Christ has not been raised from the dead, we're still in our sins. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So we had two days of darkness. Two days that it looked like Satan had won. Death was victorious and we were still in our sins. And then came Sunday morning where there was that great earthquake, the stone rolled away, and Jesus' body was no longer found in the grave, but God raised him to life and therefore gives me hope, no matter what this world has to throw at me. You see, the thing about but God theology, about the fact that Jesus raised from the dead, is we have a hope. Not in the things that we can see, not in possessions, relationships, people, work, whatever that is. We have a hope in the things that are unseen, the things that are eternal. It means that as Solomon has said over and over, vanity of vanity, everything is vanities. If Christ has been raised from the dead, that statement doesn't get said. But instead, because Jesus has been raised from the dead, there's purpose in everything. That when we give our lives to him, when we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, we have a higher calling. So as Gene told us, we now live for a higher call to go and proclaim what Christ has done. That he gives us purpose in everything that we do. It all has meaning. It means 
that the darker this world gets, which if you kick on the news, you realize it is dark, that the light of Jesus should shine brighter and brighter through his people. That as we see the world getting darker and darker, you, his church, should start shining brighter and brighter and saying this world has no hope, but we have a hope that goes beyond this world. It's Jesus Christ. So that when life ends here, it starts for eternity, which actually it starts now when you give your life to him. He says, this is eternal life, that you may know God, the father and his son, whom he sent, Jesus Christ. That eternity can start here and now, that you can start living with purpose here and now. So that whatever comes our way, you might be living in that darkness of life. You might be feeling like Jesus is still in the grave, but God raised him from the dead. And therefore you have a hope beyond whatever it is that you are going through. Because not only has God raised Jesus from the grave, whatever it is that you are going through, God is with you. You have that assurance. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 12, God promises, the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your guard. You know what he's saying? He's saying that God is in front of you and God is behind you. In ancient times, you know who sat in the middle of everything? The most valuable person. You make sure you protect the most valuable person with everything you got. So you put armed guards all around. Nobody is getting to them. But yet we have our king who is guarding us. Whatever it is that you're going through, be it through the fires of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he says, I am with you. Isaiah chapter, I think it's 43, verse 1, or actually it's verse 2. Isaiah tells us that when you walk through the waters, they will not overwhelm you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not overtake you. When you walk through the fire, it will not consume you and you will not be burned. You know what Isaiah is saying, what God is saying through Isaiah? It's gonna happen. He doesn't say if, he says when. Those days are coming because we live in a fallen and broken world. But God will be with you through that. Not only will he be with you, he's going before you and he's coming behind you. He has your back and he is watching after you. He is giving you a hope that goes beyond anything this world has to offer because Jesus raised from the dead. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, live this life up to the best of your ability because there is no heaven. This world is the only heaven you're gonna get. But if Jesus has been raised from the dead, which he has, matter of fact, if Jesus has been raised from the dead, this world is the worst you'll ever experience which doesn't sound great until you compare it to the greatness of heaven that you have waiting for you, to the eternity of heaven coming before you. It's like when people are getting like new joints and stuff, like it's crazy what medicine can do. Like hack off a knee, we're gonna put a new one in there and you'll be walking that same day. Ridiculous stuff. But it's like, man, there's gonna be pain. There's gonna be some soreness. There's gonna be hurt. I'm gonna have to go under the knife, but I know that what waits for me on the other side is gonna be far greater. 
That's a glimpse of what it is like when we see what eternity has in store for us. When we realize that we get eternity with God. Where he said in Revelation chapter 21 verse 4, the dwelling place of God will be with man. There will be no more mourning, no more weeping, no more crying. He's going to wipe every tear from your eye. And he's going to dwell with you. I cannot wait for that day. And I can hold firm to that truth because I know Christ has been raised from the dead. Because I know what today means. This world is the worst I have to look forward to. I know that the lows here are temporary. Paul tells us in Romans, these, or in actually it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says these light and momentary afflictions don't even compare to the eternal glory that we have waiting for us. You see, almost 2,000 years ago, the perfect son of God put on human flesh and he gave himself as a ransom for all mankind to deliver us from sin. We're told this in Romans chapter eight, verse one. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You see, God sent Jesus to pay the price for us, but it's not just that Jesus died, it's that he rose again. Opening the door, notice it says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Meaning that we too, have a hope. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, later on, he says that behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but in a moment at the sound of the trumpet, Jesus is going to come back and we will all be changed. That he is returning for us, that we have that hope so that while we live on this earth, we get to have a hope that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that victory, he goes on to say, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Brothers and sisters, you have a hope that goes beyond this world. As we've been seeing in Ecclesiastes, Solomon saying, what is my hope? We get to live post-resurrection Jesus, and we get to look back and say, that's our hope. But God raised Jesus from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep live in that hope. And I mean, we have a great turnout this morning. Thank you for being here. And I would bet, knowing how many people are here, statistics would say there are some of you who are still living in under the sun theology. There are some of you who are saying, well, what is my hope? I don't have any beyond this world. And Solomon says that 
is vanity. But God has prepared a way for you to have a hope. He has given his only son to be the sacrifice for you so that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And in that moment, you have an eternal hope. You know how I know that? Because almost 2,000 years ago on Good Friday, Jesus had a quick little conversation. As Jesus is hanging on the cross, there's this thief next to him who is a bad guy. The only one that didn't deserve that death was Jesus. This thief totally deserved it. He didn't live his life right. He didn't go to catechism. He didn't go to Sunday school. He didn't attend synagogue frequently. He didn't understand the basics of Christianity, the, you know, the doctrines and all that stuff. He didn't do anything other than as he's on that cross, he looks to Jesus and he says, remember me when you enter paradise. He placed his faith in who Jesus was. It was nothing more than that. He didn't live a great life before that. He said, I believe in you and the work that you've done. And you know what Jesus said to him? Luke 23, 43, Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He said, you don't have to go through all this stuff in order to come to me. You looked at the cross, Jesus having a, a conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter three. He's telling him, as Moses lifted up the serpent, when everybody was getting bit by fiery snakes and all they had to do was look to the serpent and they would be healed. And Jesus tells him, so too the son of man will be lifted up. And all you have to do is look to the son of man and you will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Regardless of, well, I haven't lived my life right. I haven't done enough good stuff. I haven't attended. I don't understand enough. You know what Jesus says? All you need is the faith of a child. All you need to believe is that, man, I cannot make it without God. I have no hope in this world, and so I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. I believe that Jesus gave his life, died the, sin, died the death that I was supposed to die, and I trust in that. I believe what happened 2,000 years ago. And Jesus says, you will be saved, and you have an eternal hope that goes beyond this life. So that you can look at death and say, oh, death, where is your sting, O grave? Where is your victory? Because I have an eternal hope. Because of two simple words, but God. I was dead, but God made me alive. And it's by grace you have been saved through faith. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. It is the free gift of God. If you have received that gift, live in that hope. Every single day for you is Resurrection Sunday. Every single day you live knowing Christ has been raised from the dead. But if not, I invite you, I encourage you, as we get ready to close out this service and sing this last song, find somebody you trust. Come up and find me, find me after the service. Do not leave without receiving the eternal hope that is found only in Jesus. Don't miss out on that opportunity where you can leave here. And I, I, I love, I keep saying we're almost done. We are. 
Pilgrim's Progress, if you've ever read it, I will close out with this, I promise. But if you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress, there's this part where he is carrying this burden on his journey. And he cannot get this burden off his back. And it is weighing him down. And he's getting weak and weak. And then finally, he comes to the cross. And he sees the work of the cross. And that burden just falls off him. Because the weight of sin no longer entangles him. He has been set free. For by, for by Christ, you can be set free through the work of him. Father God, I thank you for the hope that we have found in Jesus. God, thank you so much for that. That we can live with a view beyond this world. And God, I still don't fully understand it. There's days that this world tries to give me a here and now view. And I just pray, strengthen all of our faith. That we live with an eternal perspective of who you are. And God, I pray, if there be anybody here who sees the vanity of it all, and they feel you tugging on their heart, that they can have eternal life here and now through you. Help them make that decision. God, help them give their life over to you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.